Hi, this is Dr. Lee Piccarello inviting you to tune in to The Head Game, a must-listen show for athletes and coaches of all levels and ages. Mindful Athlete Training in Newtown, Pennsylvania is a mental circuit training program that prepares the athletes to perform at the highest level of today's game. Athletes get into the zone faster and stay there longer. Oh, we're playing. That's right. It's game on. The head game in the arena of ideas with Dr. Lee Piccarello and guest to be named later. <laughs> How are you, Foxy? All right. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, man. Yeah, it was good. How's it going? Yeah, it was interesting, too. We have a lot of small, you know, the next generation. When I was when I was a younger guy with blonde hair, my nieces and nephews used to run around, and now they have their kids, two and three years old. Yeah. Kind of a house full of noise. It was kind of welcome every once in a while. We sort of like the empty nesters after a while, and yeah, kids falling over stuff and crying and whining, and uh, it just brought back uh, a lot of memories too, and the next generation too. Right, so it's kind of cool. I like that. So our Thanksgiving was good. Yeah, uh, you know, we uh, we had out of town guests for really the first time. Ooh, um, uh, which kind of leads to our special format today, post Turkey Day. Mm. Um, you know, I'm thinking to myself, everyone's, uh, you know, uh, they're, they're trying to take uh, some more enjoyment out of the the long weekend and they, yeah. they want to get relaxed. And maybe some people are working today. Maybe they're not. But what is it that we can really take from, you know, the overall holiday experience? Um, so my very good friend, uh, Michael Kilfoyle, uh, is my special guest today. And uh, he is a long-term, long-time, excuse me, a New Hampshire resident. Uh, but way back in the day, and early as 1982, uh, he and I first met at the Pennington School. Mm-hmm. And throughout that time, we have developed uh, what I th- would think is a, is a very special relationship. Uh, we have endured uh, love and loss together. Um, and uh, it is great, my, really my great honor uh, to have him here on The Head Game. Uh, he's always been uh, a huge advocate uh, of what I've been doing uh, professionally. Uh, he himself uh, has accomplished a great deal in his own right uh, professionally. And we're just kind of fans of one another. Uh, we've watched uh, our, our lives grow and, and endure um, and evolve over the years uh, through uh, our own eyes, through our own storytelling, as well as the the eyes and now the accomplishments of our children. Um, so it was uh, with great pleasure. Without further ado, I want to introduce Michael James Kilfoyle to the Head Game. Good morning, Lee. Thank you for having me. Honored to be here. Good morning, Foxy. Hi. Um, and you know, is it's more. Uh, emotional for me when I kind of think back on, you know, the length of our relationship when I say 1982 is when we first met. Um, we were 12 years old. 12 and years old. 12 years old. And uh, it kind of became a, a situation between the two of us where, um, you know, we met for uh, athletic reasons and uh, how those things kind of evolve and what sort of goes on between the two of us. Um, as we continue to, you know, go through this little journey called life. Um, our discussion today, our topic, I should say, um, is what we're going to call in tandem, our greatest couples. And, and it got me thinking, right, it's not coincidence that we're going to be talking about this topic, because when you think about the world of sports and you think about 
uh, competition. When you think about even uh, the movies that we watch, uh, the things that we see others do, there are great relationships in and out through the history of how people compete. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be athletics, but what actually is going on between the two people that can make a great tandem? Um, is there a special chemistry that's often required? And does a tandem have to be this unspoken language between two people? Um, or does it always have to be something that leads to best outcome? Um, as we talk about the ins and outs of those relationships, where else other in sports do you think that competition can actually create the concept of a tandem? And is it the same? Um, so... Michael, I'm just going to ask you, what are your thoughts on the concept of tandem and how it means to you? Yeah, it's a good question. Like, I think uh, when I think about tandems in sports, I think it depends on the sport, number one. And I think earlier we were talking about, uh, you know, pitchers and catchers. That's a certain tandem that there has to be a certain chemistry to make that work. Right. Or quarterback to receiver. That's a special tandem. You talk about tennis, and I think about the Bryan brothers who have won more doubles tournaments than any other pair, identical twins, by the way, who are shutting it down in 2020. Didn't know if you knew that. Did you, just for a second, though, did you um, w share with me just a little bit of your athletic background before you and I met? Because, see, you've always tend to gravitate to sports that different types of sports that I'm not familiar with. To tennis being one of them. Yes. So wh where did you get that from? Where did you develop that, that, that love, that passion? How did that kind of start for you? So growing up in Ewing, New Jersey, it was, a, it was a one large playground. And literally any sport was on the table. We just had a bunch of kids. And whatever we felt like doing that day, we did. So there were tennis courts. We would play tennis. There was baseball. We'd play baseball, basketball, et cetera, et cetera. So I just had a really wide range of opportunities to play sports with some really, really good athletes. Because as Foxy was mentioning before, the Blue Devils had some really, really good athletes in Ewing, and right. it really pushed me in all these different areas, so I, I became very interested in sports very early because of these different experiences that I had. So, because it's interesting, I, I grew up in, you know, a very small borough um, where there were different sports available to us, but there was... There was never really that that playground aspect where um, the host of kids were getting together. You kind of, uh, even though we were very small, you kind of separated yourself. You found different pockets of friend groups. Uh, you know, one of my fondest memories was, you know, uh, an empty lot that was is now maybe you know four homes all side by side where we would just play baseball. But it always seemed like we were gravitating to um, the more traditional sports of football, basketball, and baseball. Uh, even when we would play basketball outside, it was at the local school. When we'd be playing football, it was always two-hand or rough touch, which, which just would naturally turn into tackle football. But I found myself focusing more on those traditional sports and, and again, thinking about what we want to discuss today, I think it was more because there, there, there are certain sports that lend itself to developing relationships, yes. like baseball, where you and I met. You know, you were a pitcher and I was a catcher. And, and in football, uh, you know, if you're a quarterback, you, 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 you're assumed to have a good relationship with a receiver. Assumed. Right? Assumed, right? That you're going to have a good relationship between the two. Uh, you know, you think of, uh, you know, Marvin Harrison and Peyton Manning. 
right? Uh, you think about uh, the all-time connections. Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski. Right, right. Gronk, <laughs> Ronk, and Tom Brady. So, so we, you, so the over/under because uh, because because Michael is from New Hampshire was 15 minutes. I told him that he couldn't bring any bring up anything New England related yeah. Yeah, sorry. until 8:15. So, yeah. so clearly he's a little amped up. Well, you can go for the Red Sox here. I would be for that. Well, okay, right. good. Okay, so we, we can shift to that. If we can come up with a good tandem in baseball, then, then I'm a little bit more okay with that. But I think it goes back to what we know um, and what our experiences are. What, what, are, what, do you, what are your thoughts about that when I say that different types of sports and the relationships that it develops? Yeah, first I want to mention that I became a running quarterback because we played hit the man with the ball. <laughs> wow. yeah. So um, what do I think about with these different sports? I think it really does matter. And depending on the relationship that you have with that other tandem member is how successful you're going to be. And I think about like, I was thinking about great tandems overall, and we think about basketball, and one of the tandems that's always mentioned is Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe Bryant. Well, they actually didn't have a very good relationship. No. You know, it was very And they didn't strange. like each other. They didn't like each other. They played well together, but I almost think in that instant it was because they were so talented that talent trumped all. I just know? recently heard Kobe go on record that if Shaq was actually in shape, that they would have won X amount more of titles. Have you? It's probably true. <laughs> it's, probably, mean... <laughs> it's probably a fair assessment, right, yeah. when you think about that. Because it, the more and more as those guys are now retired and they're reflecting on their careers. But when you think about when people can work together but not necessarily like each other, um, it probably happens more than we realize. It, it probably does. I think regardless of the strength of relationships in terms of liking one another or not, that relationship has to be stronger together than it is apart. So the way I think about it is a tandem is not one plus one equals two. It's one plus one equals three. three. Right? There's a synergy there. But somehow there has to be a trust and belief in the other person that they're going to make you better in the process, right? right? And so maybe we don't like that other person, and that's okay, but if we believe that the other person can help us be better... So here's okay. a question, though. Here's a question for you, outstanding point, but where do you think that you find that level of trust to actually believe that the other person makes you better? Do you think it's maturity? Because if, if one person doesn't have the maturity, someone else might be tapping on the shoulder and be go, yo, kill, uh, you know, pickle, he, he'll make you better. Tr tr trust that guy. Right, but if you're not ready to do that, you might believe in the outcome of the relationship, yep. but you're not invested in the process. Correct. Right. Yep. So, what is it that you think is required? Is it some failure? Is it is it, is it experience? It's, it's experience, maturity, some level of failure, and some level that you have to realize that you can't accomplish everything on your own. That you have to give something up of yourself to make yourself better. Yeah, And part of that is trusting others and believing in others. And this goes to the corporate world as well when we start talking about leadership, right? Yes. And this, this idea of being mature enough to say it's not about me. It's about me offering my contributions to make the team better and believing in others to do that. Right. Because I think when – and I know you have a lot of experience with this um, – Talk to me a little bit about your work background presently, what you're doing, and what you think that you've taken from your sports experiences that contribute to what you do now. Well, what's kind of fun, and I'll tell you about my experiences in a second, but as I, and I just turned 50 this year, and I start reflecting back, and I'm, boy, if I could have the wisdom that I have now when I was in that 22-year-old body, 
you know, things could have turned out a little bit differently, right? But that's what we do. We look in the rearview mirror. My work life is I work for a, a human resources firm. And essentially what we do is we help companies develop better workforces. And by that, I mean we train their leaders. We train their teams. We bring in topics and try to improve their workplace culture. So it's essentially about creating a thriving workforce. And we've been doing this work for somewhere in the neighborhood of 25 years or so. And that's done up in Burlington, Vermont. And, and where do you think you've applied yes. your sports uh, background, mm-hmm. your lessons in, in key areas in that work that you do now? So as I always tell the teams that we work with, you have to be willing and able to work with others to be successful. It cannot just be about you. So getting back to the whole sports thing where you have to give a little bit up of yourself to become a better player, right. you have to do the same thing in a work environment as well. So you know, the game of life is a sport. You know, whether we would like to believe it or not, there's competition out in the world. Competition everywhere. And it exists. And we have to deal with that in our work lives, sometimes in our home lives. But it's how do we challenge, how do we channel that to make us better people? And part of that is understanding who we are and giving us some of ourselves up to connect with others. Because if we do so and allow them and want them to be better, that's when we can really we used to be better. on our report cards. Works and plays well with other check that, or you. minus. Remember that? I need to work on that. Well, one. it's all uh, what's you know. It's those intangible categories though that actually continue to uh, as we develop ascend up until the most valuable characteristics that are required of us when we are competing at a professional yeah. level. And I'm not talking sports now. I'm talking the ability for someone because what you're talking about, Michael, is is the the check and balance system. System that we all try to go through, that some will get there sooner than others, yes. that our leaders will encourage us to dip our toes in that water as we get to the, the place in our lives where we think that we're ready to engage in some of those changes. Yeah. But it's about more, I think most people would chalk it up to simply what they call maturity, that they're ready for that. My quest in what I'm doing is how can I expedite that? Mm. How can I assist in that process? And you think about the concept of the 10,000-hour rule, right? Taking 10,000 hours to become an expert. Uh, We've looked into this more extensively in past discussions. What is required? Is it simply time? Is it all about the reps? Or is it a mindset that is strongly accompanied with the reps? So nice Malcolm Gladwell reference. Thank you for that. Uh Um, Huge fan. I I think it's both. I think you don't accomplish anything worthwhile without putting the time in, right? If we're talking about athletics, you've got to put your time in to be good. But there is a self-awareness in that athlete that needs to happen for that athlete to ultimately become as successful as he or she can be. And put it into MJ terms in Michael Jordan, right? He was a super successful player early in his career, scored a bunch of points. But I don't think until he gave up something of himself for the betterment of the team where he realized he couldn't just do it himself, that's when they started going on the run. Do you think that came from losing to Detroit year in and year out? Or do you think it came from his hiatus when he went off to play baseball and had a big serving of humble pie? No, I think it was the experience of losing and recognizing at some point that he couldn't do it on his own. Right. That all of a sudden he was going to have to rely on his teammates to make him better. You know, if we could actually encapsulate that that moment, because I think that moment happens to all of us, Mm -hmm. certainly not on 
uh, a, a such a dramatic stage that it does for professional athletes. But what you just sort of explained there of, of someone at any level coming to the conclusion that they can't do it alone and then making that decision, no matter how subtle or maybe in some cases even more pronounced where they feel like it's not their decision to make, that they have to give up control to get it. Right. How do you feel about that? I mean, I realized it later on in my career. But you think about, you know, particularly for talented, trained athletes, think about the time they put in on their own and the ego that they have to have to be that good. And it is really all about them. So, well, even in a team environment, you think about the hours that person's put in on their own. And there is some ego involved in that, right? And some some background to say, I put all this time in, I'm I'm do this. And it's not until they realize that they can't do it by themselves, which is kind of counterintuitive to some of the training that they've done, to give that control up to others, that's when they start being successful. Dynamite drop in money. Thank you, Foxy. It's a quarter past the hour, and my name is Dr. Lee Piccarello. You're listening to The Head Game on 1490 WBCB. And we have special guest today, my lifelong friend, Michael James Kilfoyle, um, who is just dropping all kinds of knowledge. Uh, on the drive over, I was saying, well, like, yeah, we're going to go into WBCB, and, you know, there's this, we're going to do our little morning routine. And, it's like uh, Butch and Sundance over here. It is a little. <laughs> it's, a, it's a little Butch and Sundance. So no, I'm dynamite right. there, Butch? Right. <laughs> so uh, I don't know who you want to be. Do you want to be Butch or I'm Sundance? Butch, you're, you're Butch? Yeah, all right, I'll be, hey, I'm totally cool with Sundance. I, you know, I'm, you know that, that's probably a little bit more analogous to my personality when I was Sundance's age. Right. Right. I can go with that. That's cool. Why don't you stick around? But I was talking to Michael on the way mm-hmm. in, and I said, you know, I, uh, I told him uh, Wednesday night that I wanted to have him on because uh, we were sitting down to a, a nice family dinner with our children and our wives, and my mother was there, uh, former guest of the head game. Uh, Georgina was here, um, and uh, we were talking about it, and he mentioned uh, just, you know, what I've done on the radio in the past. And again, last night during our Thanksgiving meal, something came up and he said, yeah, you know, I really enjoyed my time on the radio. So we're driving over here today. And I said, by the way, like, uh, you know, you mentioned radio, like you've done this before. And Michael went on to to give me his his radio uh Resume, if you, his dossier, I should sure say. Sure, I have. I've been on yeah, a I said, I said, oh my God. I said, what in the world am I thinking? This guy's been on political talk shows. And this is the thing about, because this is in tandem, and this is what I was hoping that would happen. You think about relationships, because that's really, in my opinion, what the tandem comes down to, right? It's Yes, it's the chemistry, and yes, there's synergy, but there's something about the connection. When... And this is going to sound like a bromance moment, but I'm totally okay with that. I'm comfortable in my... When I was listening to you talk just now, like, your eyes change when you're talking about uh, concepts of what you do and applying it to leadership development. And you're, you're clearly very good at what you do. I've never seen you do it, but that look in your eyes reminded me more of athletic competition. And... I think so much in life, people make the really bad mistake of convincing themselves, well, that's not athletics, or I'm not an athlete, therefore, I don't have that skill, or I can't apply myself with that level of passion, or some would suggest, in my case, intensity. Mm -hmm. Where do you think that comes from for you? 
for me. For you. Um, I, I just think it's a, a drive, you know, to become better at whatever it is. And I agree with you that you don't necessarily have to be an athlete to be have that sort of skill set and that mindset when it comes to competing, if you will. Yes. You know, there's a, you can take that drive and that passion and put that and train well and do the 10,000 hours and work with someone like you who can develop the mental mindset to help people with that type of thinking, then people can do it. So I, I just think it's an internal thing, and it's it's where I grew up. Sports was a thing. So I don't know if, if I wasn't around sports. It might not have been sports. It could have been some other type of... It could have been the arts. I don't know. Right. But I just happened to be around sports, and I loved it, and I was halfway good at it, so I was able to go into it. But it helped me... It helped shape me in a way that I think I can now be of better service to others because of my experiences. But also, too, an interesting point, Michael, that you bring up is you're talking about your environment. Yes. And very often I will talk about, you know, there's there's three, like a triangle, there's three things that are constantly rotating throughout our lives. It's our, our own emotional experience. It's the environment in which we're in. And it's the audience that we keep. And if you think about it in the concept of a triangle and how it relates, when you're talking about who you are or the fabric, and, and today's discussion is all about being in tandem yeah. and the, 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 uh, our greatest couples that we have seen, it needs to begin with someone who's ready to give up some of themselves. And I don't think that that's necessarily a natural instinct. I was probably making the point clumsily, but that's the point I was making about how we are trained as athletes to be individuals. And even though we're in a team environment, we're still like pushing hard for ourselves and thinking that we can do it all on our own. It's not until we get to that sort of epiphany to say we got to give something up and that usually comes later in someone's career yes it's, it's, it's that yes. it's that rare bird that can do that early in their career and those are the ones that have success early and then often because they kind of figure it out before everybody else does yes yeah, also self-reliance it is attention to detail and organization and that's what you take the job that i've had for 38 years you're yeah. here early you stay late you're detail oriented you don't leave until everything is you know is right and then you then you anticipate when things go wrong and try to fix them, you're like working in an ER. That's, that's, yeah. the, that's the way this business is. Yeah. And those are the kind of skills you have to carry. All the time. And in, in, in whatever you're doing. It is. Yeah, and I think that because, as Foxy, you were a, a great athlete growing up, too. You, he was? You've, uh, <laughs> but you trans- you, Cape Cod Lake. Right? I'm just <laughs> saying. Cod the way I wrote that's it. Right. Cape Cod Lake. It's no slouch. But th- that sort of athletic training translates yeah. well into skills in whatever career you may go into, right? Because there is attention to detail that you have to put in the time. You have to make sure that yeah. you're, you're, you're there when it opens and you're there when it closes. Yeah, right? I, was, I was only captain on the team once in my whole life, and it was in the Cape Cod League yeah. my second year. And just had a bunch of new guys, and I was a holdover. And the coach, well, you know, maybe they'll, maybe they'll follow you. Oh, God, I hope not, but they will. And I always was with humor and uh, lighthearted. And we had a bunch of guys that were very loose and relaxed. And we wound up winning the division. We lost in the playoffs, mm-hmm. but we uh, we won the division. And we were a loose bunch on and off. And it, everything seemed to synergy, or whatever you would call it. Just it just happened. Mm-hmm. Guys from Kentucky, Santa Clara, University of Wisconsin. Parts of country, uh, parts of the country, different programs, 
and it all fell into place. I don't even know what, how, or I was just in the right place at the right time. It, it sounds like you sort of personified the cultures that that team really needed. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's like, in a hey, weird guys, way. In yeah. a weird way, you guys yeah. came together and it was loose. And I think one of the things we think about with leadership oftentimes is that you have to be this dictatorial leader where you say, yeah. do this, that, and you have to listen to me because I said so. And mm. it's actually those like that you kind of dissuade yeah. with your team where you, you kind of understand how your team works and best support the team that they need and, and how they need it. Yeah. Right? Right. When you talk about culture, because I was thinking along the same lines and Foxy was talking yeah. about his team, you we all want this goodness of fit between uh, the players and the institution or you the corporation. Be right. You, right. you want to be accepted. Yeah. You want to be accepted, right? So if you get back into the primal aspect of how we function, right? And I think this gets in the way very often because we as people, we don't have the emotional intelligence. We don't have the fortitude. We don't have the gumption at a younger age to set aside the need to be accepted in those type scenarios unless we have a parent a coach mm-hmm. or a mentor or your Tony Soprano that <laughs> doesn't matter <laughs> Take care of in those small <laughs> instances yes where it does not matter when you do if you have those those elements in your life I think that's the difference and me trying to to quantify in my mind as we listen to this conversation how we develop at a certain rate and if there is that person that is present in that individual's life that they're going to jump on that bell curve. They're going to manipulate that bell curve and expedite change faster mm-hmm. because of that person that's helping them with that with that hurdle, they that have concept. That support system. Yeah. Yes, doctor. I was going to ask you that question. It pertains to that. I mean, you and John Kalinowski, you take young minds, athletes. Yes, and it's in that. Am I buying in? Do I go forward? I don't know if I have. And then you're trying to. Can you plant these seeds? Of skills or like that? Very, very much so. Okay. And, and this is the thing. It's it's what needs to be talked about more and more. Yeah. It's it's what Michael does for a profession. You're, you're trying to expedite the learning curve when it comes to leadership development, right? It's the same thing. We're just trying to do it earlier. Imagine what we could become in society as a culture. If we all started to get exposed, if we were to educate, entice, and eventually empower younger people throughout the course of their lives to believe more in the concept of sacrifice, to set aside personal identity for the greater good of team. Yeah, just don't go to a Little League baseball game to find the parents. It's awful. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, that's the worst. Thank you, Foxy, for, for, <laughs> for bringing me back down to earth. But that's what I'm talking about. Yes. Not only are you talking about the young people, but, geez, some of these guys, you know, some of these Have parents, my God. Right? And you wonder why they act the way they do. And, and then, right? They're like, a byproduct of their environment, yeah. of the audience that they yeah. keep, which then is constantly stirring this emotional yeah. upset that never really has the chance to settle. Well, you observe it, and then you all of a sudden, man, does this place need a work or, you know, makeover. Right. You know, up, you know, approach and everything else. You probably walk away going, God. Yeah. Yeah, I could, <laughs> I, got a, I got a plan here, you know, but I don't even know if they're going to listen. 
I'm when you think it. about, again, being in tandem, yeah. what I think, and this was the whole point of my conversation, which I think that you and I are yes. now, which is, I think, now, some people can say, well, you guys have known each other forever. You guys have known each other almost 40 years. Does that help? Absolutely. But, and this is through my own personal experience that I can share now openly because I've become much more secure with myself on open air and share it with the world. For my, my loyal head game listeners, Foxy, yes. you've taught me that. Thank you, sir, for being my mentor in that capacity. For me to sit back on my show, I'm so stinking proud of you, man. Oh, to, 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 to watch you get in your flow state. Mihai Chixon Mihai, the the Miyagi. the forty plus year researcher of the flow state, Holocaust survivor would be so proud because you're in it, man. And for me to be comfortable enough to take my foot off the gas and just enjoy, and then receive, receive, not give. That's my challenge in my life professionally. I have no problem saying that. You and I had a conversation a couple of days ago about the role of a parent. I'm, I'm struggling to give up control. I don't like it. I don't like the fact that I can't control everything of what I genuinely feel deep down is in the best interest of my children, that no one else is going to tell me. And it's not about being in a team and playing at a certain time. It's about collectively what I know, what I believe, if they receive, can aid in their development. I'm struggling with it to give up control. But as you just so poetically reviewed and then shared under this concept of leadership, of how you're giving something up to get something greater, it's brilliant, man. Love it. And it should be fun. Somehow it's lost. And it should be fun. It should be fun. Yeah. The, the two are not mutually exclusive. Isn't Bobby. that the truth? You know? But uh, we I forget feel, that sometimes. Yeah. I just, uh, it, you know, Little League, there, what are you, Miller Huggins out there, Game 7 of the World Series? Come on. Yeah. It, it, you know. Perspective has been yeah. lost yeah. At, at the yeah. sports level. Yeah. When you think about the, the original Bad News Bears moment of the exchange between the father and the son, and I haven't thought about this in oh, how many yeah, years, yeah. and thank you, Foxy, for bringing me back Vic into Morrow. that, that timeline. Uh, is, was that the, the actor who Vic, did that? Yeah, combat. Yeah. yeah, Vic Morrow and Brandon Cruz. It was in Coach uh, uh, of father. Yeah. Okay, oh, there I you go. Drop the ball and walk. Is that what you're talking about? That's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Because he, he wasn't throwing mother, good pitches. And the, he hit him. He hit him. Yeah. He hit him. Father completely. You talk about the, the, the antithesis of things to come in our society of, of that moment that was encapsulated on film as it related to why we play. And so desperately, and you know what the, the moral of that story is, though, from a psychologist's perspective? You know what the dad's biggest issue was? He wasn't in tandem with his son. Yeah. And on the other side, you had a drunk. If there was a mic that was right. actually we'll, in my we'll, hand, I'd we'll drop it right now. We'll today. We'll never even see the field we'll today. Never even see they the remade field. it with Billy Bob Thornton. It didn't fly. Right. Yeah. You know, we don't want to, you don't have a drunk on the bench. You would never, now with all the predators and all this stuff, you have to be vetted. By the, almost like the FBI before different you, world, before you right? even coach. Yeah. And I know we're heading yeah. in break, but just to mm. kind of come back to that yeah. point, I think where parents are today is we talked about having to give up some control and want it for other people. Of course, we want it for our kids, yeah. but there's so many parents that are still in it for themselves. You got it. And they haven't mm. given up to say, I just want to be supportive of my kid and see them succeed in however they end up yeah. doing it. Yeah. And in that case, tandem will never happen because it never has a chance to.
Which one is Ross and which one is Chandler? We still don't know. (laughs) But we do know we're in the tandem of the head game in the arena of ideas. And Dr. Lee Piccarillo picks it up. Thank you, Foxy. I'm I'm Ross. (laughs) I'll be Chandler. Okay. (laughs) Well, you got to be Butch. I did. Come on. I took my pick on that one. You did. You yeah. jumped all over yeah. it too. Yeah. You were you were you were quick right. to that. Yeah. You were. And I was and I was okay with it. Okay. I, I was I was more accepting. <laughs> I, I was. Uh, today's I'll, discussion. I'll be Abby, you can be Costello. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's cool. I'll be Jordan, you can be Pippin. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so I I'm not Rob. And I know that one cuts deep, <laughs> bro. Does. Yeah. Yeah. So uh what what was your biggest prized possession? What what did you have your signature? Oh yeah, it? so Foxy, I uh, I once won a signed Michael Jordan Ooh. Air Jordan with the twenty three on the side, and it was like the shrine in my house. I was I was more of a baseball player, but I loved basketball, and yeah. so Michael Jordan, of course, growing up when we did, he was my hero. So yeah, that that went with me wherever I went. Let's yeah. not overlook the fact either, which I forgot to mention. Do you have a signature too, Doc? Did you get your autograph? Um, no. Oh, you know what? That that that's not true. That's okay. not true. I've told the story that the okay. Pete Rose signed baseball bat uh, yeah. yes. that I won for the multiple sclerosis readathon in my school. <laughs> Have I ever told you that story? No, I ever told you that, that story. Yeah. I got Mo Vaughn's signature. Oh, you do Mo yeah, Vaughn? Yeah, okay, Seton Hall. It's a, it's a guy. Uh, it was a guy that was playing for the Thunder, and my my uh, girl I work with was dating one of the Thunder players, Lou Merloni. Oh yeah, Lou Merloni. Sure. Yeah, and he got uh, he got Vaughn's autograph, and it's uh, you know the Foxy. Move on. You know? <laughs> I also got Denny McLean's autograph, and it got it should be a memorabilia because he got sent up for racketeering later on. Say, but that was he was the last thirty game winner. Yeah, I remember? Yeah, he won yeah. thirty games, and then yeah. he went to jail for racketeering. Right. That would be worth a heck of a lot more. Right. If I wanted to sell That's that. That's funny. Yeah. What I did not, what I overlooked, I mm-hmm. should say, mm-hmm. in your introduction is that you are a Hall of Fame inductee at the Pennington School oh, as well. Wow. For basketball and baseball. Did you score a 1,000 points? I did not. And I like to say it's because I broke both my ankles my senior year. You did. Which is you, true. Yeah, I'm not sure you, I would have made But you were close. I was close. You yeah. were close. Yeah. Uh, and you were an all-state pitcher yes. as well for our baseball team. Hall yeah. of Fame inductee. I don't remember which year. As was... Your sister. My sister. Yes. You get scouted. You did score a 1,000 points. She did. As a girls basketball player. Correct. Yes. And I think at the time was close to the girls scoring record in soccer as well. Yeah. yeah. Did you get so scouted? The, the Kilfoyle family. Yeah, a little bit. You legend know. and lore over at Pennington. I, I like, so you know sports, Foxy. So, of course, you remember Luke Lelouch. Yeah, Nuke Lelouch. Yeah, yeah, right? Absolutely. Okay. So that was basically me as wow. a pitcher. I threw pretty hard and didn't have much control. <laughs> Between the two of you, you have a favorite sports movie? Oh, gosh. Okay. Um, well, it depends on what sport. All right, let's go baseball. Field of Dreams. Uh, yeah, probably Bull Durham. Bull Durham. Yeah. yeah. Football. Oh, gosh. Oh, man. Put me on the spot. All the right moves? All the right moves uh, I saw in high school as part of the Pennington, uh, you know, let's get fired up. Let's get fired up. <laughs> no? Anyone? See, I, I have a problem with all the right moves, only because, like, Tom Cruise is a great actor, but a yeah. terrible athlete, yeah. and it sort of comes across. <laughs> you know what I did you know? like, though? Was everybody's All-American with Dennis Quaid. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's I about really... Billy Cannon. I, I get that. But it, but it really, I, I, he was good. You know, he took some real shots, and it, uh, mm-hmm. he got hurt yeah. to, to doing that. But I, I found that one... Uh, I was really sad after that movie. It just it, like it, I don't his know. His fortunes like, went down and hers went up. It was, yeah, it was, it, was weird. Just, it was a weird thing. Yeah. What What was the one where they played football in prison? 
Uh, oh, longest yard. That's longest my yard. favorite. Yes, I got yeah. to meet yeah. Burt Reynolds once. Yes, when I was in thank college. you. Yeah, yeah. He, they were Florida State. Florida they were State. they were filming that, and he came to a, uh, a Florida State game with a crew. Richard Jaws Keel and the rest of them. I sort of got through there and shake right. your hands, and we could use you in the second half. He says, "Can't run in these." <laughs> but he was the same guy off as he was on. He Is was, that right? Yeah. And uh, he said most of the Hollywood is lousy. One more ac- lousy actor isn't going to hurt. And right. I was right. Very, very like like you talk about down to earth and humble. Yeah. And maybe that's part of the thing with sports. And maybe you think you're a little bit bigger than maybe you are. Yeah. yeah. I'm sitting here reflecting on my lack of movie knowledge oh, as it relates to sports and i'm saying to myself why is it that i can't think of a good football movie that i liked and the answer is and this is a, a very biased opinion i think it's near impossible to fully encapsulate the experience of a sport like football any given sunday any given That's, sunday is I, is kind of close yeah. because it was a more of a modern film and they were trying to give you that perspective lt in there that was a good right one. And, 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 you know, Pacino with his, you know, scratch and claw for that one inch yeah. of, uh, you know, advantage. Um, but I, I, again, I, I think it's all about can you connect emotionally with what you're watching and trying to drive it back to our conversation today of being in tandem and our most historical couples that we think of. There seems to be that emotional connection that those two persons have that you feel but you can't necessarily describe Brian's song yeah Brian's oh, song. oh so now a, you talk about that, that, that okay see th- that's why you are who you are Foxy. <laughs> all right because you just uh, you just you just took it to another level which that, one is Sayers and which one is Piccolo that, 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 yeah. oh, well, I was I was more athletic so <laughs> and, and clearly Piccolo Piccarello are closer so I'll just, I'll just go with that role okay yeah you know I, I'm I'm the one who who dies yeah it's it's okay which became sunny talk about giving yeah. up control yeah. That, that's, that's what I do for you. Sacrifice. That's there what you. I do for you, man. <laughs> now, if you can pull off the tear bedside, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I got no Ooh. problem holding it. Yeah. But I think it has a lot to do, again, with this emotional connection. Because it's because we see all of these these athletes that ha- that play in tandem theoretically, but they don't have the connection. You're like Rudy. Right? Rudy would be you, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Get to the pros. <laughs> I wasn't that small. I was I was known as an undersized inside linebacker. I don't I don't know if we would go as far as Rudy is concerned. But but then again, if if I'm a, if I get the hoist up on the shoulders, which was the first and last person to ever have done for Notre Dame football, would I exchange that one shining moment for being as small as Rudy? Perhaps. 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 How about for a tryout in the NFL? Would you would you just trade that one? Yeah. 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 That 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 that's easy. Yeah. That's easy to to, yeah. to to get to that pinnacle to have an opportunity like that to to actually just you, you talk about like the one shining moment pass or fail. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's that that's an easy one. That's a good one. Um. So here we are, and and we're doing our thing. Let's talk a little bit more about uh, thoughts. Kill about tandem relationships mm-hmm. that are non-athletic do, do you go anywhere oh, non-athletic, yeah. do, do you go anywhere so so i if i can go back to athletics for just a moment go right I, ahead i think one of the things i thought about as you were talking about the relationship and the emotional connection it's almost like these good tandems have like a mind meld and i, and I think about like so you go montana to rice or you talk about stockton to malone it's like they know what the other person's going to be doing right they're actually sort of organically 
acting as one yes. and making that connection because they know. So when, when Rice turns, he knows the ball is going to be right there. Right. And Montana knows when he makes that cut that he's going to throw the ball at that moment. Right. right. I remember doing a remote with Rick Tockett talking about Wayne Gretzky, exactly what you're saying. I, I think he knows the play before it even happens. Yeah. Like Kreskin, you know, the ball, puck there, boom, boom. I think and the, nobody else knows that. He just It's a skill that just you have. The greatest thing I ever heard about Wayne Gretzky was like he always said, I'm not going to play where the puck is. I'm going to go where the puck will be. That's it. Right. We highlighted a story about Gretzky early in his career when the Oilers were not quite there yet, but they were trying to break to the other side. And I don't remember the team that beat them. It was later in the playoffs. It might have been one of the finals before the the, the big one. Um, And Gretzky is walking past uh, the locker room of the opponent. And he's saying to himself, they, they just, uh, they, they won the finals. They're going to be, you know, all jacked up. They're going to be celebrating. And the entire locker room was just quiet and settled. And they were taking off of their equipment and everything. And Gretzky said to his teammate, see, those guys are winners because they're not focused on what they just did. They're focused on what's next. Mm-hmm. And I think that element, too... When you are focused on what's next, go back to selfless, Mm -hmm. go back to sacrifice, go back to giving up control. I think it becomes more about seeing the potential of our relationship, even if it's theoretical of what it might become, giving that moment up for the greater good of something yet to come. So you mentioned stuff outside of athletics. So let's talk about acting for a second, right? So if you're a really good actor... You're making the actors and actresses around you better. better, Yes. Right? Because you're giving up something of yourself so they can shine. Because in the process, that will make that film or that play better. Right. That production. Yes. But if you're going to be that egotistical, it's all about me, I always want the spotlight, then that will take away from everything. And just think about how deflated the other actors and actresses will feel if that person's going to be that prima donna and make it all about themselves. Yeah. I think it also, too, Michael, speaks to the quality of the relationship that you're seeking has to outweigh the the value that you extract as an individual. If I don't believe in what we can become is greater than what I presently have and what I'm experiencing, I won't move. I won't give it up. Right? I might consider it. I might dabble in it. You know, I might dip my toes in the water, but I'm not swimming. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go there. Um, Speaking of acting, when I was thinking about tandems, Thelma and Louise. Mm -hmm. There you go. Okay. I'm Thelma. Okay. (laughs) Of course you are. Jeannie Davis. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. You got me. But, all right. I thought he'd be JD mostly. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take that. I'll take JD. It's okay. I'll take that. Um, Think about the transformation they both go through. Because they're in tandem. When you look at them, there's a, a the there's all kinds of moments in that film that are exceptionally well done. The, my favorite is, and I, I guess this is the official spoiler alert if you've never seen Thelma and Louise, but too bad. Everybody has. When they're driving off the cliff together at the end, the last that you remember the last thing that happens before the car goes over? The Polaroid that they the selfie that they took of themselves 
in front of the car just as they were beginning their journey together, which was attached to the dash, the wind catches it and flies off. And I think that is so incredibly telling as it relates to our discussion today of, of, of two individuals, two persons genuinely being in tandem in that moment of action. Because it's not just about the relationship. It's not just about symbiosis. It's about because of the connection, the transformation that takes place of both individuals as they are parallel pathing through life together. I, I totally agree. And I think it's like that, that tandem becomes a unit. You know, it's a unit of one if it's really working well together. And maybe well they're said. Still growing individually within the unit, but it's the unit that's really taking them to where they're going. Yeah. So how do we, again, again, when you think about something like Thelma and Louise, it's a journey. It's a transformation. We can make the argument that emotional moments, um, moments of intensity, does that sculpt that unification faster? I, I think so, Lee. I think that obviously when you go through, uh, call it a traumatic experience, it, it affects you, right? And then I think, and you know this better than I based on your profession and your expertise at your profession, but if we are open to growing and learning from those sort of intense experiences that we have, our opportunity to work in tandem with others becomes greater because we are open to them. It's where we're closed and not willing to try to connect with others and grow with them, that's when trouble begins. Yeah. And, 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 and I think, too, with the, 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 the relationship that we're all trying to achieve, I think for most, as we progress throughout the, our, 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 our careers and professional development, I think starts to smack us in the face when we realize that we can only go so far yeah. on our own. If we are to accept that responsibility and we as an individual then make the commitment to give up something to get something greater, to connect with another person, is it more about that other person being ready to receive that? Is it a question now of timing, Michael? I, I think it is, Leigh. I, I think... Both parties have to, when we talk about relationships, both parties have to be ready for it to happen, if you will. So Montana and Rice, clearly, when they were in that moment together, they were ready for one another. Yeah. Bird you know? magic. Two guys. Bird, that's right. You know, just, you know, it made everybody better, and it, it, was, a, it was an obsession. And it, to your point, though, right? Yeah. It's, not always, yeah. it's not always the opposites sometimes do attract. Yes. Mm. Right? Yeah. And I think, you know, as, as, as we think about these tandems and we think about life in general, when, when are we at our best? It's when we are working with someone who we respect and think is talented and think that ultimately, boy, if I could hook up with this person, I could even be better. So, you know, Lee was kind enough to share some thoughts about me, and that was very nice of you, Lee. But I, I also came into today saying, you know, I want to give the best that I have for my best friend in his radio show because it's important to him. This is his career. So all I want to do today is give for whatever I can to help you. Right. And, you know, that's taken me a long time in my life to sort of get to a point where I can say, you know what, it is not about me. And that's what I've learned more than anything. It's not about me. It's about everybody else. And the more that we can do that, 
and give to others, the better we're going to become as people and the more success that we're going to have. And then coming back to tandems, we both, both parties in that tandem have to be ready for that. And it goes both ways, you know? So both sides oh, yeah. of the tandem have to give to get better. Hmm. Yeah, it's the two-way street mentality. But again, I also think that with readiness, which I'm just going to call to receive, um, so much in today's world encourages the the me, the I philosophy, Yeah, right? And we've seen it. We've heard it. Uh, it continues to go on uh, in major media platforms when we listen, uh, when we hear about professional athletes uh, and the selfish things that they do, uh, the commitment to themselves first and foremost. I think that's why... I don't want to say the concept of tandem is a dying breed, but it it certainly seems like to me that it was more possible much sooner. Because I think in today's world of self-promotion and social media platforms, it's all about putting the spotlight on yourself. And I think that's going to become, it has become an additional obstacle for people in all nuances of life. I, I completely agree with that statement. And I think that goes back to the youth sports culture yeah. that we were talking about before, where it is, if this team's not working, we'll go to another team. If this team's not working, we'll go to another team. And it can, becomes less about the team environment that does, you know, putting that individual in success. So we start talking about, like, why isn't that kid, yeah. you know, why is that kid being so egotistical? Because that's the way we've trained him or her. Right. Right. Yeah. And so then it takes longer for them to develop and mature to understand that in the end of the day, it's not about them. And I was telling Lee a story about my daughter, who's a pretty good basketball player, and she's had to be resilient because she's played some on some very good teams with some very good players where she maybe wasn't the best player and didn't get as much playing time as she would have liked, but it's made her a better person because of it. But she's, she's you know, a, one of those kids that kind of gets it. You know, she's, she's mature enough to understand that piece where maybe others aren't. And so... Um, I'm thankful for that. But as I think about, you know, our culture and where we're going with this, I think you're right. It's going to take long for tandems to occur now because of the culture of me being first, foremost, and always. It's not and agreed, but it's more about the foundational elements that are yes. required for tandem to take place. Yeah. The byproduct of all of that thing, all of the things that we've discussed, the sacrifice, yeah. the, 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 the we over me, I think those things are, are now becoming more and more of a challenge yes. just in, in how we live. When you think about academics, and, and my daughter right now is going through an application process for a private high school, and it's everything about what have you done, what are your grades, what are your highlights? And the emphasis and the associated pressure yeah. that you feel. Now think about human nature for just a second. Isn't it more appropriate to make it about me when society is telling me that's what's warranted? You think it's, it's almost an oxymoron of what society is teaching and what, what we might be encouraging it's incongruent in times. And when you think about this concept of in being in tandem, and we think about the historical nature of couples and, and what works, is it, is it predestined, Michael, for those people to find those people? Or are, is it just because you and I are, are doing our own things, our parallel pathing, 
only taking it so far as an individual and then are choosing you to go right, me to go left, for therefore we collide. Foxy, I got to come back next week and grab that question. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when you think about your high school, everything, <clears throat> you're, you're, you're in there with maybe 300 other people. And you always wish you were somebody else. I wish yeah. I was smarter. I wish I was thinner. I wish I was better looking. And then you see him later at reunions, and a guy comes up to me who was a surgeon, doctor, number one in the class. He said, yeah, but you got taken by the pros. And I, I, and I, I didn't even – and he was like, uh-huh. geez, I wish I could have been him. Yes. You know, and I said, why the heck did anybody want that? You know, I just it, – it is kind of amazing that you try to find your something you're good at yeah. for for your own self-esteem and everything. and. But just like anything else, remember my parents would say, "You don't get self-esteem; you got to earn it." Right, exactly. And it just—that's just the way. It, that's the way it is. It's uh, funny yeah. that we don't think about our own discomfort when we're, <laughs> we're, we're somebody else. Oh, or yeah, somebody yeah. else. That we're the only ones feeling that way. Quarterback at all the chicks and all the other right. stuff, and then he's in the National Honor Society, but they're miserable, yeah. and or or wish they were somebody else. It's uh, yeah, yeah. You sort of. You know, the lesson is lost somewhere. I, I think there is mm. hope, though. So, um, and Lee was telling me, Foxy, you're not a huge basketball fan. I am, and uh, I like was uh, yeah. okay. not the pros, but the college, college. Yeah. And and so I wanted to talk about Duke basketball for a second. And Shashevsky, who's brought in some real talented kids over the years, just but, a few, just a few, and could still relate. I and mean, still, talk and about, well, over that's, the years. about good yeah. leaders, right? So that's a whole another topic. Yeah. But last year they had a kid named Zion Williamson. And by far the freakish athlete that I've seen since at least LeBron James and maybe even more freakish than LeBron. The point being is this kid was so talented beyond his years, and he was only 19 when he was playing there, but he was still that kid who was cheering on his teammates, who was diving for loose balls, clearly the best player on the floor every night, but yet was doing all those little things that were making other people better and people wanted to be around him. So there's hope because if, if that guy who could have done whatever he wanted to and still been the number one kid taken in the draft. Should have taken Morant. <laughs> Morant's going to be pretty good. <laughs> yeah. But if that's, if that's kind of uh, who some of our best players are, there's still hope out there you know, that it's going to happen. Agreed, but I also think that Zion is an exception to the the ever growing mass or the norm in in today's world because when you see these types of players with such skill our only emphasis as a society is to highlight that michael mm-hmm. that's only like i said earlier in the show parent coach mm-hmm. mentor if you don't have one of those three Agreed. saying hold on young man just a second young lady you're good but that's only going to get you so far i just figured out the tandem that you are yes ben affleck matt damon wow i want to be matt damon (laughs) (laughs) well you know so does so does ben affleck (laughs) i like i liked argo good movie you didn't like jiggly though did you no right okay Shakespeare in Love, or right, or the town. Right. There the you town. Go. That's actually a good movie. I'm comfortable yes. with Matt Damon, by the way. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> Private Ryan. I'm, I'm going Ryan. to accept that role. Okay, that Foxy <laughs> has <laughs> bestowed upon me. <laughs> Trying to look for a whole hour, and I finally found it. Right, right. there it is. To go. Well, it's it's the because we're in tandem, Foxy. Yeah. You see. See, it would be Gable and Tracy possibly in the 30s. That's right, back in the day. Yeah, back in the day. Right. You know, so that would that would have been it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so Blanchard Davis, some from Army, something like that. Yeah, 
So before we, we wrap up the show, Michael, just give me a, 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 a mindful minute of reflection of your experience today and final thoughts. Final thoughts. So I've really enjoyed my experience today, and I think the older I get, the more I want to be open to having different experiences and meeting new interesting people like Foxy and having a great conversation. So this has been a wonderful journey for the last hour, and I'm so honored that you invited me in. So happy to be here. Thank you, brother. I love you, man. Love you, too. All right. We get to that point here. Birthday guy. I'm going to take a deep breath. The Mindful Athlete Minute is brought to you by Volvo Country with offices and locations in Princeton, Bridgewater, and Edison. Having two things arranged together, one in front of the other, that's a tandem in action. Tandem may get brought up when someone is trying to make a point, share a story, or establish a connection for others. They're looking to show that something has strength, highlighting the duo and speak to the bond that ties. Now apply that to your preferred context. For some, it's sports, other action heroes or movie stars, the foodies taste it, and even summer riders on a bicycle built for two get in on the action. The truth is, when you're talking about tandem, what you're really talking about is a relationship and the dynamics between the two. It's the pairing that makes it memorable. You see, technically, any two persons can do something in tandem, but it's the chemistry and synergy that creates something special. It's a dance without music, a chat without speaking, and knowing what pitch to throw and call. Common? No way. Special? For sure. It's modern poetry in motion, scripted with a fountain pen. And yes, the story rolls out effortless and clean. While they're writing, make sure you're watching. My name's Dr. Lee Piccarello. I love you, Kill. And that's my Mindful Athlete Minute.